notice about this prayer, it is a large prayer. Paul is asking for big things from a great God. And here is what he prays. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a prayer. We have heard this prayer. We continue to hear this prayer. And this is the prayer that we want to serve as a reminder of us this morning that God can do more than all we ask and all we imagine. So we praise God that we're here today and we look forward to a great time of praise and worship and adoration to the one who created us from the very beginning. Let's continue to worship our God. Let's all stand, please. Things that we were looking forward to, and one of the things that we were asked about was what did we feel the best about in, uh, in the times that we've been there. And we took that information and many, many other things, um, and about 483 days later, <laughs> we're, back, uh, we're back with this vision. Um, I understand that the Empire State Building was built in last time, but we have on our vision committee uh, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. I'm not sure we had enough in the 60s category, so I started in my 50s and ended up in my 60s. So I was able to get uh, two different decades. Uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce to you the committee, and uh, you can go ahead and start standing, or you can wait till the end, uh, but at some point, please stand. Michelle Anderson, Jared Baggett, Daryl Bulls, Patrick Cannon, Doug Ferris, Robin Figgins, Clint Gage, Linda Irwin, Andy Garner, Maggie Kirby, she's not here today, Canel Peace, Marcelino, I just visited with him, he's in spirit in here, Maureen Spencer, she had a good excuse uh, not to be here, Ruth Ann Stallings, Laquita Lawrence, Elton Weeks, Keith, Ms. Coward, would you also please stand up? I, I failed to write that down. That's what I was uh, looking, uh, Cowan, excuse me. Uh, I was the coward. Uh, so I would like for you to look at the different age groups and the different, uh, the men and the women that served on this committee. Uh, we have been together for a long time, looked at a lot of things, so would you please give them a moment of appreciation. The committee met for several months, and as a larger committee we met, and then when it, we put the vision together with the three core values, 
And after that, we had a subcommittee of nine folks that met together to look at the how-tos, which means nothing to you right now, but I wanted to give you that, that piece. One of the first things that we did as a group was to look at where we're going to be 10 years from now. And we looked in the following areas. We looked at the economics of the community, the social realities or the demographics of Lamar County and Paris, the political environment, the technology, the technology changes that will be taking place, the spiritual outlook. We had input from the greatest generation, the boomers, the busters, the Xers, the wires, and the millennials, and whoever else I left out. We understand that this is a vision for the future and not of the past. We also discovered the wonderful aspect of diversity and unity. It seems that we all don't think alike. Imagine that. You just heard from John a while ago. We don't all think alike. We had an opportunity to see things from different people's points of view and to put together that vision. On October the 6th of 13, uh, some of the things that we picked up is that we definitely wanted to have a community in involvement and acceptance and a place of healing for those people who were searching. We wanted to have uh, relationships with other faith groups to work together as we did in Katrina and Rita. We wanted to be more inclusive and seeking common ground. We were very, very focused on making sure that we had good, better, and best biblical teaching. And we wanted to have intergenerational connection. And that is uh, with some of us who are a little bit older to some who are very, very much younger. In putting a vision together and in dealing with people in general, basically speaking, 30% of folks don't want to change ever. 20% want to change for change's sake. And the other 50% want to weigh out the information that's given before them and make a decision. I want to say to you today that I feel very good about the mission as we came through it. And I'm very excited for what's going to be presented to you today. But before I do, if you are an elder here today and you support this mission vision, would you please stand up? Folks, in case you're concerned or worried about numbers, that's six to zero. You guys can be seated. Thank you very much. If you're a deacon here today and you support this mission, would you please stand up? We met with the deacons two weeks ago, visited with them on the vision, and to the man, they supported the vision. We also met again with the whole team in terms of uh, the team that was putting the mission together. Everyone has buy-off on this. Now, I want to tell you a couple things, and then I'll turn it over. Uh, one is there's going to be a couple of new vocabulary words that we need to think about. I always like to get my vocabulary words out of the way. One of them is spiritual disciplines. What that does not mean is that we're spiritually disciplining somebody out of the church. What it means is spiritual habits, so more will be said about that later. And I think Patrick may use the word governance to speak about some future things that will be uh, taking place. As was mentioned, the three core values 
Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Connect with God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor could be one who believes in God or one who is in need of God. And that's going to be discussed as well. So with that being said, that is a very, very, very small piece of the activities that have taken place in the last 15 months. So please listen. Please make notes. At the end, when you leave, you will be given a brochure that uh, shows all of the detail. But take your notes now. Think about it. Uh, If you have concerns, let's speak to each other and have communication. If you have joys, by all means, let's speak to each other and have communication. So thank you very much. When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. excited about this vision, both as an elder and as a member of Lamar Avenue Church of Christ. As Keith said, there has been much prayer, uh, much uh, deliberation, much meditation, much discussion, all that has resulted in this vision, which I truly believe is God's vision for this church. As has been stated, and uh, as you can see on the banners and uh, around the, the vision has three core values. In a nutshell, those three core values are to connect, to unite, and to restore. And I have the privilege of presenting to you the first of these core values, which is to connect with God. And I think there's... Support, where is the... I'm sorry. You just control it, uh, Kim. Just let, I'll let Kim control it. There was supposed to be a remote control for me to control these slides, but I would rather not put you through that again. So, um, Connect with God. I'll just do this, and you can be my imaginary. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, okay, here we go. Connect with God. 
this vision says, we will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. While each of our core values are deeply important, uh, we realize that we must first ad uh, address and begin to achieve this first core value of connecting with God before we can better and more fully accomplish the other two core values. Said another way, if we can get down core value number one, then core values number two and three will naturally follow. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about connecting with God. We long for all here at Lamar Avenue to have a deeper personal relationship with Jesus, a relationship that's defined by much more than just Sunday and Wednesday attendance. And I'm talking here about everyone from elders uh, down to newest members, uh, from the oldest to the youngest, and everybody in between. It is through these deeper personal relationships with Jesus that he will begin or continue to change us from the inside out. Once we are changed on the inside, then it can't help but show. Uh, next slide here. Uh, Matthew 7, 17 through 20 says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Similarly, in Luke 6, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the mouth flows what's in our heart. Once we are changed from the inside out, then we'll become more like Peter and John, who were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. And they were directed to not speak in the name of Jesus. And they responded in Acts 2.20 by saying, As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And we understand that this part of the vision is very personal and requires deep personal commitments from each one of us. A deeper personal relationship with Lord is not something that can be forced upon anyone. It's not something that can be mandated by the elders and then will just automatically happen. However, we do feel that there is something that we can do, that we can do a better job about fostering this. We want to provide opportunity, encouragement, and an atmosphere where this can occur. Most of you know that in my spare time, I coach a basketball team, and I tell my players the same thing that any coach tells his players, and that is that championships are built in the off-season. What that means is in the off-season, after the season's over, coaches will equip their players, they will give them direction and encouragement to work on their skills in the off-season. In basketball, it might be dribbling, shooting, footwork, endurance, whatever. And then when we come back together, when the season starts again, because each of those individual players have improved, then our team is going to be much better and much stronger. Well, while I realize that we don't have an off-season, Christ Church, similarly, similarly, I think, will be better and stronger when each one of us as individuals will develop a closer connection and a deeper personal relationship with our Lord. Philippians 2.12, Paul calls us to continue to work out our salvation. This is not a reference to attempt to earn one's salvation by works, but to the expression of one's salvation in spiritual growth and development. 
Verse 13, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Next slide, please. So how do we foster such a deeper connection with God? The first uh, leg of this uh, core value is through sincere worship. In casting this vision now, we're not saying that anyone has not been sincere in their worship up to this point. But we do believe that we could all stand a reminder, we could stand a little bit of a recommitment, maybe in a refocus in this area. Uh, in 1646, a group of religious leaders met together in England and came up with what's known as the Westminster Confession of Faith. And while I know that we don't agree necessarily with every uh, element that was in that Confession of Faith, it is interesting that the very first question that they decided to answer was, what's the reason for man's existence? And uh, they came up with a statement, the very first statement of the Westminster Confession of Faith that says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The song we just sang, the reason I live is to worship you. This is why we're here, why we are here. The reason for our existence, to glorify our creator and our God. We must realize that the focus of our worship is God and not us. With the exception of possibility revelation where we might get a glimpse of what worship may be like in heaven, I don't think it's a mistake that there are no worship services uh, per se described in the New Testament. And that's because it's not about going through some prescribed set of motions. It's not about what song we sing or how many songs we sing or whether we have communion before or after the sermon. These are all about us, not about God. Our worship to God is a matter of what's in our hearts. God desires our hearts. This is the only way we can worship him in spirit and truth as he demands in John 4, 24. Next slide, please. When I hear the words sincere worship, uh, that picture didn't come out very clear there, but what comes to my mind is a picture of the woman that we read about in, in Luke 7 who came and fell at Jesus' feet. Verse 37 beginning, says a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Folks, this is sincere worship, a pouring out of tears and perfume that represented a pouring out of this woman's heart. We long to create a, a situation here where as individuals and as a group, we can pour out our hearts to our Lord and worship and in doing so can feel like we are in his presence. In order to do this, uh, we know that we will require love and mutual trust of one another. We must realize and accept that people will encounter Jesus in different ways and through different methods. Some may do so better through traditional methods. Some may do so better through contemporary methods, for, for lack of a better word there. But we will not fear these differences, but we will welcome them, accept them, and value them. We want each person here to feel the freedom to worship sincerely, whatever that may mean to them. For example, some may feel compelled to lift holy hands in worship to our Lord. We want them to feel the freedom to do so. Others may not feel this way, 
and we want them to feel the freedom not to do so. It's a challenge to provide an environment where all can encounter God and accomplish sincere worship. But we will attempt to do so with love and mutual trust. Hebrews 12.28 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So one of the first steps towards this goal will be to establish an, a worship planning team that will meet regularly and well in advance to assist our ministers and worship leaders in organization and planning of our worship times in an effort to be more intentional and purposeful, allowing us to sincerely worship God with reverence and awe. One worship service does not and should not need to be a carbon copy of the previous. And decisions regarding worship will be made not just because we can and not out of fear, but based on what we believe pleases God and creates the opportunity for his vision to flourish. Next slide, please. <clears throat> the next leg of the Connect with God core value is spiritual disciplines, as Keith, and Keith had mentioned. Spiritual disciplines are activities or actions that were inspired by Christ himself and which we are directed through scripture to practice as well. These are things like meditation, prayer, fasting, confession, Bible study, solitude, submission, service, celebration, worship, and there are numerous others. 1 John 2.6 says, This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Jesus certainly lived in practice of these spiritual disciplines, and we believe that we, we should also. Some spiritual disciplines are developed as a group, but most are developed as individuals. We are committed to being more intentional about offering opportunities and guidance for the development of these spiritual disciplines. Some examples may be church-wide studies, such as going through the Bible together in a year, our 24 hours of prayer, our group fasting, which we've done in the past, more one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -two Bible studies. But in addition to addressing spiritual disciplines from the pulpit and in the classroom, uh, we intend also to expand the focus of our life groups from not only one of fellowship, but more towards spiritual development, dis disciple-making, and serving others. Which brings me to the last leg of connecting with the God uh, next slide is disciple making. Disciple making, this is part of the great commission that we, uh, we often forget about. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So while sharing uh, the gospel with other people is is very, very important. That's only part of the Great Commission. Jesus said that we're also to teach others and to make disciples, to not only convert, but to mature. Disciple-making can come through direct teaching, it can come through relationships, or mentoring, or just being a good example for someone who may be watching. As it says in Proverbs 2717, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We must be about sharpening one another. Church is not just about being fed, but it's about helping to feed others and each other. Church is not church is about giving and not just receiving. 
We intend to be more intentional and by <clears throat> more intentional about providing opportunities for disciple making. Again, through our life groups is an ideal place for disciple making to occur. We will look to provide other intersections uh, of various groups, such as the youth with the young at heart, or young men with older men, or young ladies with older ladies, new Christians with more ma mature Christians, any situation where mentoring can occur. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.10 that it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to, will be made known to all. That implies that we can't just sit back and soak it all in. We must each be held accountable to do our part by helping to make disciples of others. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Next slide. In summary, the first core value of our vision, God's vision, for Lamar Avenue Church of Christ is that we will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. May God bless us and continue to be with us as we seek to carry out his vision for this church. Thank you. As Keith and, and Kyle both have made the comment, the elders are very excited about this vision, and we hope that you will get excited and that you will want to be a part of it, and therefore that we can see this church grow. So if you will bow with me, I will pray. Father, again, we thank you so much for all the things that you bless each one of us here at this place in our lives. And Father, as we continue to cast this vision, Father, we know it's for you. Father, that we want to connect with you in a more and a deeper way. Father, as we, as we cast this vision, Father, we want to have a more sincere worship. And Father, we ask that, that we have a deeper spiritual discipline in our lives. And Father, we know that one of the things that we want to do, Father, is to make more disciples. And Father, I ask that each one here might take and look at this vision, Father, and, and see what we need to do as individuals for this body here that worships you. And Father, I just ask that we all put forth the effort to make disciples of, of others. And Father, I ask that you continue to be with us today as we go through the other parts of this vision. Father, we know this vision is, it is for you and it is for us, Father, to seek to be closer to you that we continue to look to you for that strength that we need. And Father, I just ask that you continue to be with us today as we continue, as we continue on with this vision. For all this we pray in your son's most precious name. Amen.
Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. We're uh, helping with the United Way and the Seeds of Hope to create a community garden. Um, we sort of came into this project. Our interest was to find a project that our whole congregation could be a part of. Uh, we were interested in doing things with 
older people, younger people, and getting everyone together to work and interact so that we could build relationship amongst um, each other. Um, and when we heard about this project, that the Seeds of Hope was trying to get off the ground, we thought that was a good fit. And so our intention is to get uh, both of these locations up and running and ready, possibly for fall planting this year. Uh, so right now we're doing uh, mostly the construction to get everything in order and ready so that mainly for the spring of next year we'll be ready to plant. This week we're constructing pathways that'll sort of divide the, the garden area up and allow people to travel through it. Restored some of the benches and tabletops that were out here before and uh, we're cementing those back together and repainting those. We've done limb trimming of all the trees just to kind of clean up the lot and, and get it ready and then plans to build a fence around the garden and like I said have it ready hopefully for fall planting in August. Well our hope you know the idea was all uh, the people that started uh, Seeds of Hope and uh, so we sort of came in as a as a helper to them but their dream is to create a community garden that obviously all the things that you harvest would benefit uh, the, those in need whether that's the, the, the women's shelter uh, that is going to be involved in, in this location or uh, the food pantry or some of the other nonprofit organizations in town. But uh, we just want to be a part of something good for the community that benefits those in need and, uh, and helps build relationships with people that we haven't otherwise come in contact with. Core value two, unity of believers. I guess I was supposed to get that. The complete unity of all believers will be increasingly evident through how we love, show grace toward, and partner with all who claim Jesus as Lord. Of the three core values, core value two was the one that both the committee and the elders labored over the most. I speak confidently of that because I was in both those groups. The struggle wasn't so much in what we wanted it to be, I don't think, but in trying to find just the right language that would be strong enough to make our point without overreaching or causing confusion. Words like partner, fellowship, Believer, we know have different definitions to all of you, and they did to us also. Core value two is also more difficult to evaluate and measure because to a great degree, it's a matter of the heart and of the attitude. We feel that over the decades, churches of Christ in general, and to some degree, Lamar Avenue, have modeled to the world, both believers and non-believers, an attitude of superiority with regards to truth and righteousness. We've heard the jokes and have even told them amongst ourselves. The idea that we think we're the only ones going to heaven. I'm here today to say that this is no longer a joking matter. The world and our own community is made up of many who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who acknowledge the Bible as the inspired word of God, and who strive each day to follow God's will in their lives as best as they can determine.
we should view these people as fellow travelers on a journey seeking the same destination. They are your friends, neighbors, co-workers, and even family members. Even though our disagreements may cause us to worship in different ways in different places on Sunday morning, they shouldn't keep us from working together for the cause of Christ the other six days of the week. This is not a compromise of our beliefs. We will continue to study and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance in what we do here at Lamar Avenue. Understanding that even in our own family, we will have disagreements. It is our intent, whenever our faith and beliefs will allow, to work alongside those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord in any effort, be it charitable and humanitarian in nature, or more faith-based. Our goal should be to point the world not to ourselves, Our goal should be not to point the world to ourselves, but to Jesus and glorify him. Last summer, we became aware of a terrible health crisis in several countries in West Africa. A deadly virus was killing at an alarming rate. But it was an ocean away and a part of the world that we don't have much contact with. But then the news came out that there were two American medical professionals working in that area who had contracted the virus. Now the crisis had a name and a face. One of those faces was this man. This is Dr. Keith Brantley. When the news that he had contracted the Ebola virus came out, one of the questions that was raised was, why? Why would a U.S. doctor with a wife and children go to such great lengths and take such great risks on behalf of a people he didn't even know. The answer came back from Dr. Brantley himself. This wasn't simply following the age-old oath that a doctor takes of health care and assistance. To Dr. Brantley, this was a call given to him by God. He felt compelled to go and try to bring healing and comfort in the name of Jesus. As a servant of Jesus, he was called to follow the Spirit's leading to this place and let God handle the consequences. This proclamation of his faith and calling certainly had an impact on both a believing and a non-believing world. I have here the October 2014 edition of the Christian Chronicle. Now for those of you not familiar with the Christian Chronicle, it's a publication by for and about Churches of Christ and their activities. Dr. Brantley is featured on the cover because he uh, worshipped at the Southside Fort Worth, Southside Church of Christ in Fort Worth, as well as graduating from ACU. But I figured I'd throw a bone to the ACU folks this morning. In other words, this is a way of recognizing one of our own. But if you look further down into the article, and you see just how Dr. Brantley was brought to this situation. It wasn't the World Health Organization. It wasn't the International Red Cross of the United Nations. The organization that got Dr. Brantley to West Africa, Kim, help me out here, thank you, was an organization called Samaritan's Purse. 
Samaritan's Purse is an organization involved in relief efforts around the world and is headed by this man, Dr. Franklin Graham. Now, if you don't know Dr. Graham, perhaps you know his more famous father. That's right. He's the son of the longtime preacher, Dr. Billy Graham. Franklin Graham is also a Baptist minister like his father. So, how did an organization led by a Baptist minister come to use a Church of Christ doctor to help people dying in West Africa? Simple. I believe that when it came to saving lives, Dr. Graham wasn't concerned with Dr. Brantley's position on baptism, and Dr. Brantley didn't care about Dr. Graham's position on instrumental music. What mattered was helping people and glorifying God. So let me bottom line this for you. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to be Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Humanitarian efforts are wonderful in themselves, but our goal should be to lead people to Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, we have the picture of Judgment Day, and Jesus is dividing the sheep from the goats. The sheep to eternal life and the goats to eternal persecution. And in that illustration, Jesus uses one criteria and one criteria only. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. We can claim to love God, but that claim must come with a consideration to show love to those who need it desperately. Let me close with the words of one of my favorite poets. I'm apt to do this, but it's so nice to have poets who can put ideas so succinctly in words. We can entertain compassion for a world in need of care. But the road of good intentions doesn't lead you anywhere. Because love isn't love until you give it away. I, too, like the others that have spoke, am excited about the vision that is about to be presented to this congregation of believers. And I believe God will do great things through all of us who call upon his name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, please continue to lead us through this vision process. We know that this is only the beginning of the presentation. Thank you for the hope that we have through your Son and our Savior. As we go about our daily walk, maybe it, may it be evident to all that love is our highest goal. Help and guide us to be quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to speak. Also help us to be humble, patient, is we bear with each other in love. 
as your word so plainly guides us to do. Help us to focus on working toward a common goal, on living for you. May this always be evident in our words and actions. Heavenly Father, help and guide us to not be a boastful people, to not take pride in our understanding. But may we remember that all that we have is a gift given to us by the grace of God. Help us and guide us to live as children of light. Father, as we go about our daily walk, let us be humble, kind, compassionate, forgiving each other as you forgave us. Let us always speak words that will build others up. As we implement and begin this journey, may we always follow your two greatest commands. Love you and love our neighbor. Thank you for your love and your grace. May we truly love, show grace, and walk alongside other believers in you. And may all we say and do glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand. There's a call come ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. Let the gospel light, let it shine from joy to joy. The cross we send the light, send the light, send the light, send the light, let the light, let it shine, let it shine, send the light, let it shine, forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of number three. Aren't you glad there's not six core values? <laughs> restore all things. Responding to God's plan to restore all things to Him, we will purposely bring Christ's love and hope to our community 
and to the ends of the earth. When the world was created, all things were good, and humans participated in a perfect and beautiful oneness with their Creator God, as we read in Genesis 1 and 2. But then sin, sin entered the picture. After the fall of man, the prevailing theme of Scripture we see now is the rest restoration of that goodness and oneness with God. God's final words in Scripture declare the future fulfillment of that restoration. The future fulfillment. The Apostle John also had a vision and heard things and recorded in, in Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now is the dwelling place of God is with, with, is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's the future restoration. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was not only to save us from the consequences of our sin, but to reconcile us to God so that He could restore His image in us and set us free to be agents of His restoration to the rest of the world. We read the Apostle Paul's words to the Ephesians in chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we are now, as one writer, Gabe Lyons, says, on a mission partnering with God to breathe justice and mercy and peace and compassion and generosity into the world. That is God's vision, and so it is our vision. Christ, love, and hope. <clears throat> As disciples of Christ, our ambition is to be like Him. When we look at the life of Christ, every interaction that He ever had was pointing to the restoration of things. He physically restored the blind, the lame, the deaf, the sick. He socially restored the outcast and the untouchable. He emotionally restored the possessed and spiritually restored the sinner. Wherever humanity was broken, Jesus restored it. And that's how he showed his love and gave hope to the world. And that is what we at Lamar Avenue will do. In all our interactions, individually and as a congregation, we will strive to restore the broken, the weary, the hurting, and the outcast. We will bring peace in a wholeness where there is dissension and conflict. As a part of the body of Christ, we will continue the work Christ began until He comes again to usher in the full restoration of all things. We, re we read the uh, words of the Apostle Peter shortly after Pentecost. 
repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Among our first action steps then will be to increase our impact in Paris by reaching out to our neighbors, including the elderly, disadvantaged children, and the exploited in a more powerful way. Our community. The brokenness Jesus sought to restore can be found thriving right here in Paris, Texas. When the Son of God looked down on a hurting world, He saw past the ugliness of people, people's sin and, un, and understood people for who they really were. Valued creations made in the image of the Father Himself. And He loved them. Because He loved them, He went to them and lived among them. It was that lavish display of love that drew people to Jesus and His message. So we will follow the example of our Lord and acknowledge the brokenness in our city, looking for ways to bring healing. We will see people for who they really are as God's treasured creation. We will seek out the lost and broken because we know about that brokenness and we know the path to healing. Jesus had an encounter with a, with a broken man. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated among his fellow Jews as a traitor because he collected taxes for the Roman government. But something in, in Zacchaeus, perhaps his conscience, was bothering him. And he knew Jesus was coming and so he climbed up in a tree to see him. And then we read, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So, we will walk along those who are broken beside them, bonded by our common need, for the continued restoration that Jesus offers. And again, among our first action steps, we will develop a safe and loving environment to reach out to those who are in need of recovery from life circumstances such as grief, divorce, depression, abandonment, homelessness, addiction, and the like. 
the ends of the earth. We are eager to support, encourage, and participate with those who, like Paul, are called to bring the love and hope of Christ to places inside and outside our borders. We read in Corinthian, in Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul's words again. Romans 10, beginning with verse 13. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have a rich history in this congregation of financial support for works focused on forming and teaching followers of Jesus originally and internationally. We will continue this support while striving for a deeper sustained impact in those locations by increasing our involvement with the Christians there. Not just the missionaries, the Christians that are uh, being converted. Our aim is to develop a genuine concern among ourselves for the people of those places. We want to know them, strengthen them, and partner with them in reaching out and demonstrating the love and hope of Jesus as they continue on their journeys of restoration and disciple-making in their mission communities. And again, among our, our first action steps, and this is more locally, we will partner with the Hispanic church to help them acquire a new home in the community and work to enable it to grow and flourish. In closing and to somewhat reiterate, I will address the participation in partnering with other believers as we seek unity and restoration of all things. This may be with not only those we consider to be our brethren, but also anyone who professes Jesus as Lord and Master. We may not agree with their salvation doctrine nor manner of worship, but having a foundational belief in Jesus and to demonstrate His love, we may paint a house together or serve together to address the needs of the homeless people in our community. And in doing so, we learn from their perspective and we plant and water with the goal of explaining our perception of God's way as Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos. Then we must be patient for God to provide the increase. It may take 10 years or beyond, but we must first begin. Remember, it took the early Christians who were persecuted and murdered for their belief 300 years to convince a Roman emperor to embrace Christianity. Thank you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, 
We come to you and we humble ourselves before you. And we realize as your people we are weak and we often fail. We struggle uh, with the ways that we serve you. And Father, we realize that as we seek what your vision for us as your people is, that we even struggle with being able to see clearly the way you do. And Father, for the times that we have failed and we don't really look like Jesus, we ask your forgiveness. And Father, today as we come to you, we pray indeed um, that you would lift us up, that you would carry us with your right hand. And we pray that you would help us with our spiritual eyes to see things the way you see them and with your heart to have our heart become like yours and be able to do things with the heart that you do. Father, we know that you are all-powerful We know that you are the only true and living God. And we know that you sent your son Jesus to this earth. We know that he was obedient even to death because you loved us so much and because he was willing to be so obedient to you, his father. Father, we pray that that idea that you had before the beginning of time to redeem us, to buy us back, to keep us in relationship with you, your creation. We thank you for that. And we pray that more and more every day that you would help us to realize that. And that we would draw ever closer to you knowing that you will draw near to us. Father, as we come to understand your great love for us and the great sacrifice that Jesus made, we pray that more and more that we would realize that now we are your people and we are your agents of restoration and we are your instruments of righteousness in your hand. And Father, without you, this feels pretty hopeless and pretty helpless and like a pretty big task. And so, Father, we ask that you would increase our faith. We ask that our dependence would would be on you and not on our feeble selves. We pray that your mission of restoring your creation, your people, and all things, that we would not 
feel that it is so dependent on our own efforts and our own knowledge and our own wisdom. But we pray more and more that we would believe that you are at work within us and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to do things that we can't even imagine with you working through us. Father, we know that it is your mission. We know that it is your will and we know that it is your vision to restore all things. Father, we also know that in all things you will work and you will work with those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. So Father, even when we mess up, we believe that you will get your job done. But we pray that we will never be in the way, that we would join you in full force depending on your power and your love that has been poured into us, that we indeed can take that to the world Pour that out to those and demonstrate to them what Jesus looks like today on the earth. So that those who know you would be more inspired to live for you. And for those who don't know you, that by the inspiration of your people and the image of your people as the body of Jesus, would reveal to them that you indeed are God, and that you indeed did send Jesus to the world. Father, we are again asking your forgiveness when we have not had enough faith to trust you. That we have not had enough faith to follow you. And that we have been um, scrambling in our own efforts to carry out your will. Father, we thank you so much for the promise of working with us and through us. And with your help, we believe and commit to you that we want to be your people and we want to be a part of your great work. And so we ask today and every day that as we draw closer to you, that you would transform us into the very image of your Son, and that we would reflect that to the world, and the entire world would give glory to you. And it is in the name of Jesus, your Son, that we pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. And whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes.
Thank you for leading us this morning. I guess the appropriate thing for me to say right now is, in conclusion, and the way I see it, I've got about 30 minutes to do that, don't I? I'm not going to do that to you. What a great day this has been, amen? I appreciate Keith and Doug and Wayne and Lewis and Jay and Kyle and Richard and their heart for this church and the heart that they have for the Lord. I'm reminded of a story of, a, of an elderly Christian lady who was crippled with arthritis and she used to hobble to the services of the church on crutches. And it was a great ordeal and it required a considerable amount of pain that she went through. And a friend of hers observed her regular and faithful attendance and asked, how in the world do you manage to be at every service 
And her answer was simply this, my heart gets there first and my old legs just follow after. When I think of that, I'm reminded of this. What God has always called us to is for our heart to be connected with him. And when our heart is in line with God, when we have the heartbeat of God, the unity of believers and the restoring all things and all the details of this 10-year vision will all fall into place. You know, as, as you read through this this afternoon and this week, I hope above all that you will spend a great amount of time in prayer. And beyond that, as you begin to look through this, for those of you that are practical how-to people and you want to see a list of 20 to 25 things that's going to take place, you're not going to see that right now, and here's why. Because as you unfold these 16 pages of this vision, one of the things that we have been praying about more and more is that we become closer to God. We become more connected with Him. And when that happens, the how-tos and the practicality of all of this, I'm telling you, church, will flow from that. And the good news is this. That's where we want you as a church to have a voice in what some of those practical things will be as we live out closer connecting with God and being unified as believers and restoring all things. And so we want you to be praying about where do I fit into this? Where is my place in this? You see, these are more than just words. We believe these are words from Almighty God. From the very beginning, as Richard has reminded us this morning, God's vision at the very beginning was to bring back together all of those things that was broken. Started off perfect, and then you know what? We entered the picture, and we messed it up. And all the way through Scripture, what you see is God on a journey to get us back where he wants us. Isn't that an exciting place to be? We are here today because God loves us. And we need to be reminded of that. And also, we need to take that saving grace and that saving message to more and more people that there really is a God who is in love with me. And he has a plan for my life. As you read through the book of Acts, you see the story of the first three decades of Christianity from about 30 A.D. to about 60 A.D. And it tells of the spread of Christianity from Jerusalem to Rome. And it speaks of the church's early beginnings. And as the church began, one of the things that you began to see, the church took off. And it did that because it had great power, it had great influence, it had a great beginning, and that was always the beginning from what God wanted to do with his people, was for the people of God to be out front, 
for the people of God to take a message to the world that says, you don't have to stay the way that you are. There's a way, and there's a plan, and there's hope for your life. Praise God for that vision. And really what he invites us to every day of life is this. Will you join me with my work that I'm already doing? So what we do today is we're reminding ourselves, this is nothing new, is it, church? This is what God has established. But you know, sometimes as his people, we wander off, don't we? And we lose focus, and we lose sight, and we lose vision of what God wants for us to be about. And so as you continue to read in the book of Acts, so often today we find ourselves asking this question, what are we going to do with this world that we live in? Well, you know, in the early days of the church, the world was asking this question, what in the world are we going to do about the church? Now think about that question. They asked that, and that was on their mind because the church was spreading. The church was taking off. The church had a great vision. While we're taking our offering up, I want to let you know as, as you leave this morning and as we're dismissed, if you'll go, uh, you'll see three tables out in the foyer, and there'll be a, there'll be a page with different name with different letters of the alphabet you need to go to the table uh, with where your last name begins and uh, there'll be some people there from our vision team that will give you a document and again the challenge that I want to leave us this morning as a church is this the time has come that we roll our sleeves up and that we continue to get to work with the cause of Christ and again, as you pray and as you contemplate through this vision, I really want you to ask, where is my place in this? And I want you to ask, what gifts has God blessed me with to help fulfill his vision in this place and around the world? And so in the days to come, we look forward to dialoguing and spending time in conversations and hearing from you the church let's be excited about the work that God has put before us Alan's going to come to lead us in a song may we be reminded as Paul reminds the church of Corinth we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So as we leave here today, let's continue on that journey of being his ambassadors for a great cause that continues to lie before.